Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we have with us our friend and colleague, Dwight Brown from Salary.com. Hey, Dwight. Hey, David. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. And as we've always had on the HR Data Labs podcast, we find fun, phenomenal guests from inside and outside the world of HR to bring you their perspective on what's going on in HR, HR data, analytics, and HR process and technology. We have with us today, Brittany Leonard, who's the general counsel for Civics, which is a public sector technology company. Hello, Brittany. How are you? Hello. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. We're great. Good. So, Brittany, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey that gets you to Civics to talk to us today? Yeah. So basically, obviously, you know, I had my law degree, graduated law school about 10 years ago, did the traditional path after law school, practiced in a firm for two years, did not like it, had no no fun, lots of hours, probably 80, 90 hours a week. Sure. And I knew my background was in business. I worked for the city down here in Florida for about 10 years and by degree as well. And I knew I wanted to go in-house and a position opened up in a kind of a weird situation um, about eight years ago. And I took it and it was not a legal position by any means, but they did see that I had legal in my background. And I said, Hey, we have our, you know, in-house counsel. If they need help, you know, will you help them? I was like, sure. Quickly found out that the non-legal position was not my avenue or expertise. And (laughs) I jumped fully into the legal world of in-house counsel with them and haven't looked back since. And I love it. So... That's awesome. Actually, my dad had a similar background. He he graduated with a degree in electrical engineering, went for his law degree, mm-hmm. practiced law for like 10 minutes yep. inside a firm, hated it, and went back and started building computers. Now, this is back in the 70s. So it's so strange how those paths take people. 40 years later, people or 50 years, it's from the 70s, 50 years later, people still don't like law firms. So there you go. <laughs> No offense to our friends at law firms. Yeah, but. no, no offense to you guys, but you know. <laughs> That's really funny. So one fun thing that you may not know about Brittany is I'm very like I like to think things through. Like I'm very much of a planner. I ended up visiting Montana for the first time in March and the next month I went ahead and bought a bunch of property out there. And saw the property when I was there, loved it, found out the realtor, she was the seller, seller's realtor. And she goes, yeah, I'll be your realtor too. Why not? Come on board. And so we did the deal and now I own a bunch of property out in Montana. Wow. Do you own cattle out there too? So my property is actually by the deed. It's designated that I have to let farmers use it until I start building. So currently the farmer out there is hay using it for hay and he asked if he could put cattle and I said, that's fine. I, you know, I'm not there right now and I don't plan to build for at least two or three years. So go do what you want to do. 
So it'll be fertile ground by the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> why does why is Yellowstone going through my mind right now? And you know what the funniest thing is? I've never seen an episode. Haven't you? Nope. And yeah, it's on my list. Oh, people are very much obsessed with Yellowstone out there. They think it's the greatest thing and put them on the map, but have never seen an episode. No, family members love it. Watch it. Like I said, I was just, I was out in Colorado in March and I've always wanted to see Montana just to see it. And it, it was the cheapest flight up there from Colorado. It was like, you know, 99 bucks or something. And I was like, sure. Found an Airbnb, loved wow. it. And there you go. Now I'm in Montana, I guess. I don't know if you call it resident or what, but I pay taxes. So. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. The strangest paths in life take us different directions. It's so weird. Very much. Wow. Very much. Yeah. So Brittany, one of the things we find, especially when we're dealing with people who work with HR, is there tends to be some kind of frustration typically with people who are internal clients of HR because either HR acts more like administrators or because they're just not getting the right data or level of support. And I'm not I'm not trying to overgeneralize. I'm just saying that a lot of frustration that I've heard being part of HR as well as being a consultant to HR yeah. is that we don't, necessarily tend to think about the needs of others do, do you and I'm, I'm not specifically talking about civics but do you tend to find that with uh, general counsels where they they typically have that kind of frustration with hr no and i think you know and i was just talking to one of someone in our hr the other day about this i think every company i've worked in i think people have I don't want to say an ax to grind with hr but they always have some type of issue with hr but i think it's different And obviously, I'm sitting in a very different seat, someone say, that's, you know, entry-level employee. So I think, you know, from my standpoint, you know, I, anytime I need something from HR, you know, it's given to me pretty quickly. But I can see, I can put myself in the shoes of, you know, our 600 employees that entry-level employees or what have you may not be able to get the same quickness of a response that they would like or what have you. And I think I understand their frustration, but then from this end to see that HR gets so many requests on a daily basis that it's unbelievable. I actually had to take over our HR a couple months ago because they were all out, out of the office. And the questions, whether they were appropriate questions or some were just like, Obviously, you don't read the weekly emails that we send out type of questions. They still have to respond to all those. So, you know, it's not like they can't give priority over one over the other. So just because, you know, someone thinks, oh, I have this pressing issue, everyone else has a pressing issue as well. I tend to believe that HR has a raw deal usually because of that, because they're kind of given the the mantle of trying to solve all business problems, mm-hmm. no matter how great or how small, no matter whether they're focused on an employee or focused on the business itself. And meanwhile, there, there still has to be this emotional part of HR Correct. that has to deal with issues like somebody needing healthcare and there's problems with the claims or with their status. And, uh, you know, it's a life or death situation. And typically that's not, it's not something a business leader needs to deal with. Usually it's HR has to deal with that. Do you, I mean, in the, again, not getting into civics necessarily, but 
do you see that ever that other groups have to deal with, you know, this range of emotional issue from like healthcare all the way through to, you know, trying to save the business? Oh, absolutely. And especially obviously when the pandemic happened, I mean, we got emails that way too personal. Like I did not need to know that information about you. People overthink that, you know, from the HR standpoint, it's the home for everything. And HR is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, no, you know, this is, you know, more of a finance question. We don't handle that. Or this is more of a tax question. This is more procurement, what have you. And I think people are so used to, you know, it goes back, I think it goes back to when you're a kid, like that first person you met on the playground, you always want to like hang out with that person. Right. And HR is that first person you have contact with when you're initially hired. Right. So it just feels, you know, for a lot of people, it feels like home, like, Hey, I can reach out to them because I'm used to them. And at least for our HR, they're very, you know, very nice and navigating and saying, Hey, look, like we don't do this, but you know, go to so-and-so or here's where you need to go. But I know I've heard of, you know, other people in other companies where they reach out to HR time and time again and just don't get a response because HR is like, well, not my monkey, not my circus. I'm not going to deal with it type of thing. Right. Yeah. HR ends up being the go-between or the, or the broker uh, of information for people. Correct. And they, and they try their best. And I don't think, you know, I've never met someone that had an ill will as an HR you know, individual. Right. And I think it takes a different type of person, frankly, to be in HR, to deal with the range of responsibility, business savvy. Yes. And you have to be very empathetic. Empathy, yes. I think is empathy. That's so funny. We said the same word at the same yeah. time. Yes. Very empathetic. Yes. <laughs> that's too funny. Well, you're a very logical person. So yes, that's true. <laughs> I kind of read where you were going with that. Yes. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by salary.com. Now back to the show. So, <laughs> Brittany, what's, let's talk a little bit about some of the struggles that the general counsel's office, let's, let's turn it a little bit like 90 degrees and say, if you did have struggles, yeah. what are the areas or what examples would you have? Again, not pointing fingers at my friends over at Civics, but what, what struggles do you typically see that GCs have with HR? And if you have examples, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I, what I've heard from different companies and stuff like that in the GC roles is the communication. And, you know, when there's, say there's an employee investigation or employee classification of, you know, what is this employee, you know, we need this information, we need these documents, the lack of either communication or response because they don't have that initial like camaraderie or relationship, if you will. And I think for me, you know, I've always tended to tell friends of mine, like, look, the first thing you do when you get into this position, you need to, you know, have HR as your ally. You need to, you know, build that relationship, you know, so that I don't expect you to, you know, have a conversation every single day, every minute of the day, but know that they're there, know that you can talk to them, build that relationship so that when you need them and something, you always want to be preventative and not react, you know, reactive to a situation. Sure. So, and I think that's the biggest thing is they can't, if they can't get the documents that they need, they can't respond to the legal issues that come down the pipeline. And I think that's an important specific issue about documents or about data. Yeah. And having the most appropriate tools at your disposal that you have accuracy and that you have timeliness to be able to deal with it. Do you find that the HR systems that you've had to deal with have been able to 
provides you with that data? Or do you feel like you struggle a little bit because it's still a little bit of offline versus online where you do get or you have to access that data? Offline meaning they're in files, file drawers. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a struggle I think we deal with not only in HR, but even the legal side is, you know, some people are used to just holding on to these documents and, you know, not giving documents for whatever reason, whether they're just used to holding them or they forgot about them or what have you. And even in investigations, I'm really big about saying like, look, even if you think a document's going to hurt us, tell me now so I can work a way around it. I don't want to come, you know, on the ninth hour and find some, you know, big issue that you just didn't want to tell me because you didn't want me to, you know, be upset or, you know, not have an answer to, I'd rather know it now and be able to, you know, work around the issue and prevent it to become what I call the snowball effect and get, getting even worse, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. Surprise. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's in an investigation. The last thing you want are surprises. Okay. And, Correct. Correct. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what, if the, if you had your druthers, would you rather have access to things like at your fingertips, like in total self-service, like through the computer? Or do you still rely on, as we were talking about before, the offline, a lot of the offline processes that are paper-based still? I would love to have everything online and, you know, at our fingertips. But I think with privacy issues and things like that, you have to be very careful of what's transmitted and all that kind of thing. So it's just a very fine line of, I would love to have easy access. So we're not, you know, asking multiple people for different things. But at the same time, I understand the hesitancy as well. And I'm sure because you're a government contractor in lots of different municipalities, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know if you're federal as well, you know, there's that extra... Uh, there could be an extra lens that's put on you because of all of the need to follow, not just all the different state laws you you deal with because you re- you work in those states, but also you supply technology to different levels of the government. So you have to do backflips to be able to stay on top of those things, don't you? Yes. I mean, not only, you know, do we do municipal, we do state and we also do FAA because we're in the airport division. So, you know, we kind of have it all the way around as, you know, very set guidelines and things like that that we have to follow. Not only that we protect, obviously, our software, but we protect the data of our clients. It's it's amazing how, and, and a lot of this falls on HR sometimes. It's amazing how HR and, you know, especially with good relationships with their general counsel, there's that compliance need that they have to fulfill on. And I think it's overlooked sometimes, Yes, but that's just, it's just incredible. And it's, it's wonderful. It gets solved, but it's, it's also really bad when it doesn't. And uh, when, when things happen in a, in a, in a really bad way. I think the biggest thing with compliance is, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to put this off. I'm going to do it later. I'm going to do it later. I'm going to do it later. And then it comes to be this big issue and, hey, we need this in the next 24 hours. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I haven't been doing this. And it's like scrambling in the back end. It's just it just turns into a hot mess. So let's turn our tables then to talk about things where without giving legal advice that you can give HR some examples (laughs) of things that they might not do as well and that they should do better at. I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, I put myself, I like to put myself in a position that I'm not in a lot. So I like to put my position in employees that I see that are frustrated or what have you. And I think, you know, 
employees love to know things. Employees love to be involved. Employees love to be communicated with. And so I think that level of just openness to be like, hey, and I think we do a really good job of it here at Civics. We have quarterly meetings with everybody involved and we go over policies, we go over finances, all kinds of things just to kind of like keep people in the loop. And I think that's kind of the thing I would say to any HR individual is to keep, you know, your employees abreast of as much as you can. Obviously, some things are sensitive, but, you know, a lot of things that you think are sensitive or you don't want to tell your employees aren't really sensitive and they can be shared. And the more open you're with your employees, the more you're going to have them wanting to be on your team, wanting to help because they don't feel like they're left out of the loop or, you know, not involved. You end up heading off a lot of issues through transparency. Yes. Absolutely. You know, we and and that's always the the big bad monster hiding under the bed. We think with some of these issues, we think, well, if I if I just withhold this information, things are going to get better. Well, no, what? All of a sudden, it comes to light, sure. and everybody, all the employees are saying, well, why didn't you just communicate that to us? Yeah, you know, but it's become a big bad monster because we didn't do that. Correct. And I think this has its roots, especially in pay equity legislation Mm -hmm. that has been now kind of propping up or or popping up all over the states, which is great. Giving people the ability to know what are the hiring rates for each of these jobs before they get in. And, you know, there are no bargains. (laughs) Hiring hiring people at a bargain is not a bargain. It's a bad thing. Yeah. And transparency and I know that's not exactly what you're talking about in terms of transparency, yeah. but we've been talking, especially on this program, a lot about pay transparency, which heads off or should head head off pay equity issues. But one of the things we've been we've been talking about is changing pay philosophies to be much more open to Dwight's point so that it it kind of gets us out of that worry that we're doing the wrong thing because everybody knows what the right thing is and everybody's aware of what pay rates are, what structures are, are all about, what is our compensation philosophy, what do we pay at the median, you know, why am I paid what I'm paid? When I grew up, Brittany, um, a long time ago, when I was when I was growing up in the world of business and in HR and as a compensation manager, we used to tell people, don't talk about pay or you'll get fired. Yes. Yep, that was a huge thing back then. It was because we just didn't want the water cooler talk. Yeah. Well, now that's illegal to tell them that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in certain states, but but you know we we did it for the right reasons because we didn't want people to get jealous, especially during bonus season. Correct. Well, now they should talk, <laughs> and right. and they're listening to Glassdoor and Salary dot com and other places where they can find out how much people get paid, and they're more educated because the internet has given them access to that, right? I mean, have you seen that? Oh, yeah. I mean, employees are so educated on so many different topics. I mean, from pay to even, you know, we have um, a lot of visa employees. And so they're like right up on it. Like, you know, where's the next step happening? What have you? And we've had to really like, we even have, you know, biweekly meetings with certain employees to say, here's where we're at in this process. Because just because I have, you know, outside immigration counsel, they'll sit there and say, well, Google says this, and this is what I've researched. And this is where I should be at in the process. And I'm like, (laughs) well, I'd love for USCIS to work that quickly, but they just don't. They're overloaded so you know here's where we're at yeah yeah right everything on the internet's right you know absolutely 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. 
Because it's published on the internet, it's a fact. But I can't talk bad about Google because Google's so helpful. They help me so much in so many different areas. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, yep. we're with you. It's... We're totally with you. I can't imagine going back to 1980, whatever, when I was in college and not, I mean, I wish I had Google then, but you know. Oh, I was talking to someone the other day. Remember when you used to do the, print out the paper maps, like from MapQuest to go somewhere? Yes. Like, could you imagine doing that now? Like, I'm just, I'm waiting for her to tell me where to go. Brittany, I remember going to AAA to get my trip ticks. Yep. Trip, that too. Trip yep. ticks? Yeah, I think that's what it was called. Where you used to get that, that gigantic fold out map that had yes. everything on it and you're in highlighted marker, they, they took you, well, from wherever to Montana. Actually, it might be a good idea to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> the only way I would know where to get before, obviously, you know, maps are on your phone now. But back then with the paper, I literally have to, like, look at my domino and be like, all right, it says 35 miles. Like, let me calculate 35 miles to start looking for that exit. Well, we used to have to have someone with us uh-huh. and, uh, and and hold the map while we, while we tried to drive. Now we've got... You know, Google or Apple or navigation systems on our fo- our yes. cars. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember one time I got lost in going to Alabama, and the, I stopped at a gas station. And the guy's like, "Oh, just go up yonder and turn left here and go a little downways this way." I'm like, "Oh God, I don't even know what you're saying." <laughs> go to the old oak tree, take a left. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Go go five miles that way until you get to Bob's house. Yep. <laughs> I like had the people in, in the well, car with me. I'm like, "Hey, can you come inside and like." get half this information because I can't retain all of it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's try and write this down one Uh one step at a time. Well, the good news is that we don't have to do that anymore. Um, Everything's on our phone and and it makes, it makes life easier. Did did you have any other examples that you might want to share with HR or do you think you've probably given enough? Uh, You know, honestly, like for me, you know, unless, you know, it's certain data analytics, what have you, just to, I think that would be huge. You know, we were just talking about the transparency with the employees and if HRs can incorporate, obviously I know there's budgets and everything like that, but sure. if there's products and I'm obviously not the one to know what products are out there for HR, but if there are products that can help be transparent in that information, what if it's, whether it's pay to say, Hey, look, this is what we're on for the market. What have you, whatever employees are really like coming to you and saying, Hey, look, these are our issues. Right. If there's something out there that can help you track that or give more, you know, data to your employees to be more transparent. I think that's key too. And that's where HR data and technology is going. Mm -hmm. And there are two areas that are key there. Number one, the HR data needs to stay up to date and it needs to be less error prone. And the second thing is, is that the rapidity or the currency of the data is necessary from the market perspective. So companies that are producing market data that gets, that reflects today's market will probably not just win the day, but they'll also be able to ensure that we're looking at the right comparators and also be able to get up-to-date information on the hottest jobs and things like that. So it does help organizations and HR provide the appropriate data to managers and to employees on what's actually happening in the market for talent. Absolutely. So we've talked about the relationship of the general counsel to HR. We've talked about some frustrations that GCs have with HR. And we've also talked about examples of how the strengths of HR can come across a little better. Anything else before we wrap up? I think we're good. I think we're, I think we kind of hit the nail on the head with everything today. 
Cool. Well, thank you very much, Brittany. You're awesome. We really appreciate your time today. Of course. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here. And Dwight, thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.